welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Turn in those Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians, chapter 1. And as you turn there, I am going to read verses 24 through 27 to give us our context but I will primarily be concerned about verse 27. It reads as follows. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. And to make the word of God fully known, the mysteries hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Lord, open our spiritual eyes in understanding so that we might come to better understand the gift of hope that you have graciously given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. You may take your seats. Church, before we start, I hope you appreciate how blessed we are to have such a godly and faithful man leading and teaching us here at Covenant Grace. Amen. May I encourage you to consistently keep him and his family in your prayers. Amen. I'm happy to have been given this opportunity this morning to take a stand in his place and to give him some much-needed rest. And this is fitting because on Monday, we will be recognizing the national holiday we call Labor Day. Amen? It's a day that actually meant to to take a break from work, a day of rest. Uh, It's also meant to be a day in which we acknowledge and we honor those in the workforce. But just as our physical bodies need rest, physical rest, there's a need for our souls to rest. Amen? David said in Psalm 62, 5, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope, say hope, my hope comes from him. Psalm 62, 5, David found undisturbed rest for his soul by placing his hope in God. And so on this Labor Day weekend, this recognizing this day of rest, I want to teach you how to experience undisturbed rest by placing your hope in Christ. Is that all right? If you said no, I was going to teach it anyway. So I want to preach about hope this morning. I want to preach from the title, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I hope to lay out for your consideration three qualities of unshakable hope that would guarantee undisturbed rest for your soul. I want you to see this morning the person of hope, the place of hope, and the promise of hope. My first point I want you to see is the person of hope. 
Look at Colossians 1.27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery among the Gentiles, the thing that once was hidden but now has been revealed is that now there is a hope for the Gentiles just as there has been hope for the Jews. Are you with me? And this hope is now in the Gentiles. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see that in your Bibles? Christ in you, the presence of Jesus himself abiding within them is hope. Jesus is the person of hope. In his first letter to Timothy, Paul greets Timothy with a similar statement. He says in Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. There's no empty wishing in biblical hope. There's no uncertainty in biblical hope. There's no doubt because hope isn't just something we do. Hope is someone. Well, I like that. Hope is a person, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, hope Biblical hope is knowing with certainty and being fully confident and convinced that God will fulfill all that he promises. Hope is expecting God to do what God said he would do. You still with me? You see, I changed it. I don't say amen no more. I'm saying, are you still with me? You might respond better that way. Amen? Oh, okay. All right. See, hope is a Christian Virtue, and a virtue is a behavior of high moral excellence and goodness of character. And so we don't just have hope, but we must decide to exercise hope. See, when we practice hope, it becomes an inner disposition or a, a deep-seated attitude or a settled way of thinking that affects how we feel and how we see the world, which then determines how we act in our relationship with God and with one another. The three great Christian virtues are faith, hope, and love. Amen? And we've been taught that we must choose to exercise faith, and we've been taught that we must choose to act with love, but I've rarely heard it being taught that hope is also a chosen behavior. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, but now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. These are the three great virtues of the Christian life. And while love is the greatest, there's an expectation that all three continue to be lived out in the lives of God's people. The virtue of hope is a choice to patiently wait 
on God with a joyful heart and a sure expectation, knowing that the future holds a glory that's far greater than any suffering we experience today. Ooh, that's a mouthful. So I'm going to say that again. The virtue of hope is a choice to patiently wait on God with a joyful heart and a sure expectation knowing that the future holds a greater glory that's far greater than any suffering we experience today. Hope is choosing to patiently wait on God. Or rather, hope is the power and the motivation to endure every trial and difficulty. Why or how? With a joyful heart and a sure expectation. It is a joy that comes from knowing that nothing compares to the glory to come. And it's a sure expectation. Why? Because of the reality of the death resurrection and the abiding presence of Christ in us. That's good news, church. That's proof that God will keep his promises. So now we can know because of Christ in you that the future holds a glory that's far greater than any suffering we can ever experience today. You're going to have to buy the tape on that one. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We can choose to exercise and grow in hope. If we resist it, then we will fail to experience its power. Listen, no human can live without some degree of hope because we live in fallen bodies and in a fallen world. Is that right? So we need a hope that will encourage and empower us to keep on living. Oh, I want to detour, but I don't want to take too much time. We need a hope that knows that in the future, God has something better, something greater, something gooder for us. I say gooder. Paul said it with better grammar, though. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only me, but to all who love his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. What drove Paul? to be sold out for Christ and what motivated and empowered him to endure tremendous suffering for the cause of Christ was his hope that in the future, God had already securely stored up for him a crown of righteousness. Did you catch that? The crown of righteousness refers to God's appreciation and God's rewards and God's good pleasure. Oh, that's good news. And, and, and we have the same hope today because the crown of righteousness, he says, will not only be awarded to Paul, but to all who love his appearing. And so those 
who love his appearing are those who long for his return with great anticipation and expectation, those who look forward to it with eager and earnest hearts. So listen, in order to live in this messed up world, can I say messed up, Pastor Eric? In this messed up world, among so many messed up people, we must have a hope that promises a better life. Are you with me? See, the truth of the matter is that we're all born into hopelessness. The Bible says that we're born into sin, separated from Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. For the wages of sin is death. Is that right? Through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin, we were born into hopelessness. Every person is born spiritually dead. And so we need a hope that promises more life. Amen? Life after this, more life after this life. We need a hope that promises to defeat death and sin. A hope that in the future, we too will rise from the dead. We need a hope that promises that we can walk in newness of life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, that if there is no future resurrection... For us who are in Christ. And if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then our hope in him only benefits us in this earthly life. And if that is true, as a Christian, we are the most miserable people on earth and we should be pitied by all men. That's what Paul said. So we need a hope that promises life beyond this life. Are you with me? And I'm so glad that Jesus rose from the dead. And so our hope in the promise that God made to give us eternal life and the proof that makes our hope certain, the evidence, if you will, for being able to expect God to keep his promises is based in the reality or the factual and historical account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, amen. (laughs) We have a living hope. Oh, that's amazing. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Ooh, the Bible is so good. Scripture is so good. So hope is a choice. A choice to believe that in the future we have more life, abundant life, eternal life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
we can hope that our future holds something beneficial that we don't yet fully possess. Are you with me? But at the same time, right now, today, we can know with certainty that the thing we hope for is coming. You with me? Hope is the soil of faith. Faith grows out of hope. Faith grows in hope and it extends into the future where it grabs a hold of the promises of God and allows us to experience their benefits in the presence or in the present. Let me take a break for a moment. My voice, I, we had family reunion yesterday. We won the tug-of-war match. I was screaming and hollering, and I lost my voice. <laughs> Listen to me. Even though you don't fully have what you hope for, even though you're not fully redeemed, and we are still being saved, it is your hope that allows your faith to grab a hold of the future promise of eternal life so that right now, today, we have no more fear of death. Ooh, meditate on that for a moment. Sickness will not diminish the abundant life of Christ in you. Fear will not prevent you from going or doing or saying whatever God asks of you because Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are you with me? Hope is the bridge between the already and the not yet. I think I said this before here. Church, we live in this space referred to as the already and the not yet. The term describes the tension between the current benefits of having already been redeemed and those benefits we will yet experience when we are fully redeemed. You with me? We've already had our sins forgiven, but we're not yet sinless. That will occur when Christ returns. We're already God's workmanship but we're not yet been totally conformed into his image. We've already been justified, but we're not yet have been fully perfected. We've already been made new creatures in Christ Jesus, but our bodies have not yet been glorified. We live in this space between the already and the not yet, and hope bridges the gap between the two. And listen, and it is our faith that crosses over the bridge of hope and enables us to enjoy the not yet because of what we already have. I so want to beg. I so want to beg. So even though we are not yet sinless, we can have a relationship with God because we've already been forgiven. Hope is concerned with the future. Hope says, I'm not yet fully redeemed, but God has promised to fully redeem me in the future. So I expect to be redeemed. And I am confident and certain that that will happen. Faith is concerned with today. 
Faith says, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, I am already redeemed, even though I'm not yet fully redeemed. You follow me? But today I'm going to live as if I'm fully redeemed and enjoy the benefits of what I hope to have in the future. Are you following me? Again, listen to how Paul better explains this wonderful grace of hope. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 8.23. Romans 8.23. And I think I'm reading out of the NASB. Romans 8.23 says, And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, not all of it, but the first fruits, the initial installment or the guarantee of more to come, the, the down payment for what has not yet been fully supplied. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly or waiting with patient expectation for our uh, adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting for our full redemption because we don't yet have it. We're already saved, but we're not fully redeemed for, listen to this, for in hope we have been saved. But hope is th is, that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he has already sees, for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we, per we have perseverance, uh, I'm sorry, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Oh, that's a good scripture. We have what the Bible calls hupomone. We patiently endure with unwavering commitment. So we hope for the not yet promises of God and by faith, we enjoy them as if they've already been fully given to us. There's one last thing I want to say about hope before I press on. Just as Christian faith is not blind, so the Christian hope is not a false hope. Listen, Psalms, 10, uh, Psalms 135 through 7 says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. Oh, I love that. The psalmist says, and in his word do I hope. Our hope is in the promises of God who cannot lie and in the truth of his word. Are you awake? Did you guys have a family reunion last, yesterday too? And listen, since God cannot lie, then we can expect that everything he promises, he will do. God doesn't change. And all his truth doesn't change. So our hope is not, in, is not affected by any external circumstance or situation. God exists outside of time. He exists out outside of his creation. He is not limited in any way by time. So he always sees everything from the beginning to the end at the same time. Ooh. 
So when you enter, listen to this. This is why it's so good, whoever said that. So when you enter the beginning of your trial, God already sees you coming out. <laughs> he knows where you are, and he has already orchestrated the end of the trial. He sees it all at the same time. Mm. And since he has seen it from the beginning of creation, he sees every one of our trials, so he has left us his word to guide us through. So his word is the truth that we need to teach us what we need to know about God and what he requires of us as we go through the trials of life. So listen, hope is the ability to see life from God's perspective. Can I say that again? Hope is the ability to see all of life from God's perspective. Let me try to explain this. My wife, she prefers to watch the Steelers game as she wears her Steelers jersey. She prefers to watch the Steelers game only after she has already heard the report that they won. Listen, when the Raiders are on, Wow. And I can't, listen, when the Raiders are on and I cannot watch the game live, when I leave wherever I am, listen, I won't look at my phone. I don't want to listen to the radio. You know, I won't stop at the store because I don't want anyone to spoil the game. My wife doesn't want to watch the game until she knows that the Steelers have already won. And the strange thing is that she watches it with all of the excitement and joy and the ups and downs as a normal fan. <laughs> but she's watching with a settled sense of joy and peace that has been established in knowing the truth. Whoa. That the Steelers have already won. She shouts for joy with every good play. She feels frustration at the dumb ones. She feels the sadness when they're losing. You would think by her action that she had no idea of the outcome. But no matter what happens, there's a settled peace and joy that's completely undisturbed by any external activities because her hope in the Steelers' victory is established on the truth that they already won. So she's able to enjoy the whole game with that perspective. Hope is seeing all of life from God's perspective and knowing that the outcome of the trial has already been determined. Hope 
is no hope is is knowing that God will cause all things to work together for good. And it knows that what the devil and others meant for harm, God meant for good. So listen, when you put your hope in God, it doesn't matter how difficult the trial. The suffering may endure. Everyone may abandon you. But because you already know that in God's perfect timing, in his wise providence, in his righteous and sovereign will, God will cause it all to work together for good. Because you know the truth of his word. You already know that nothing will ever separate you from his love and that your victory has already been secured on Calvary's cross. So inside of you, deep down in your spirit, there remains a settled peace and joy that's undisturbed in the midst of trial. The doctor's report will not rock your world because Christ in you the hope of glory. Oh. So we all need hope. And if our hope is to be of any value, then our hope must be in God and in his word. Psalms 135 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. We actually live in a world that's full of all kinds of hope. And I'm also convinced that there's something in every human that realizes that something is wrong. Something in every sinner, separated from his or her creator, feels this emptiness, this void, this need for something greater beyond themselves. There's a love, a, a, a joy, a peace, a kind of eternal security that the world doesn't have, and this lack within them creates a hope for something greater. Are you with me? But the problem is, that the world loves darkness. And the problem is that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. I feel like I'm going too long. Am I okay? So the world is full of hope. But it's hope is in all the wrong people and in all the wrong places. Listen, can I say this? You won't find hope in any political party or political leader. Only Jesus has a truly affordable health care (laughs) plan because it's free. It's only through grace that by his stripes we are healed. No wall, no matter how great or how high or how long, can protect the sinner from the wrath of God. It's only when we place our hope in Jesus that the dividing wall is destroyed and we can find peace with God and with our fellow man. Man will never find hope in religion. There's no hope in legalistic do's and don'ts. There's no hope in multiple gods of the Hindus. There's no hope in Buddha who says there is no God. There's no hope in the New Age religion that says every man is a God unto himself. There's no hope in Allah. Allah is not another name for the God of the Old and the New Testament. His name is Jesus, and our hope is only found in him. Christ 
in you the hope of glory. Jesus is the person of hope. Can I keep going? Let me quickly share these last two points. The second thing I want you to know or want you to see is the place of hope. Again, the scripture says, Colossians 1.27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you. You see that in your Bible? In you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the place of hope is in you. <laughs> if you don't know the person of hope, uh, or, or let me put it a different way. If you know the person of hope, then you already have hope in you. Oh, that's good. This hope we have, Hebrews 6, 19 says, as an anchor of the soul, a hope both secure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. We live in a world filled with turmoil, amen? And, all our, our, and, and hope is our anchor to God. Hope is secure because it's not based on anything we do. <laughs> this is the good part. We don't create our own hope. Our hope is not dependent upon favorable situations. We cannot lose our hope. It cannot be misplaced. We will always have hope. Hope is always in you because our hope is Christ in you. <laughs> the reason we often feel hopeless is because we think that hope is a feeling. But hope is not a feeling. Hope is a person. <laughs> and he's in you. Hope is the reality of being made one with God, with Christ. And listen, once Christ is in you, he is never not in you. So his presence in you is the guarantee, it's the down payment, if you will, the proof that you will experience all of the promises and all of the goodness of God at the right time. The place of hope is in you. If a rich man promises to make you filthy rich and he puts $10 million into your account with no strings attached, it's all yours to spend as you please. And this is the proof that he is both able and willing to keep his promises. Listen, there would be no doubt that he would make you rich, right? Because why? He already did. He already put enough money in your account to make you rich, and yet there's more to come. God, by his divine power, has already granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, and it is Christ in you. With Christ in you, you already have all of the hope you will ever need. 
and his presence in you is the guarantee that God is both able and willing to keep his promises to give you life and life more abundantly. Mm. So Christ in you is an ever-present hope that doesn't shift or slide, it doesn't ebb or flow. The abiding presence of Christ in you is an, 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 an always present wellspring of hope. Our hope, the song says, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Christ in you is the place of hope. The promise of hope. Again, 1 Colossians 1, uh, Colossians 1 To them God chose to make known the riches among the Gentiles, are the riches of the, of the glory, I'm sorry, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory is the promise of hope. We saw the person, the place, glory is the promise of hope. Glory is a return to absolute perfection. Ooh, I wish I could dance. God passed me up when he gave all the black people dance lessons. <laughs> My wife hates when I say stuff like that. <laughs> Glory <laughs> is being made perfect and being in the presence of the perfect God for all eternity. Listen. When man fell into sin, he fell short of the glory of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the restoration of our created glory. The promise of hope is glory, and glory is the imminent, inevitable, impending state of every person who puts their hope in Jesus Christ as Lord. The promise of glory is the certain expectation that one day, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise imperishable. And listen, we too, the scripture says, will be changed. For this perishable will put on... Uh-huh, I just want your participation. This mortal will put on... Come on now, and then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory is the expectation and anticipation of the day when we will one day walk on streets of gold. When he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and there'll be no more any longer, uh, uh, no, there will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning, and there will be no longer any crying or any pain. In glory, the first things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. The hope of glory is the wellspring, the very source of hope. It is the hope of being redeemed. 
It is the hope of being rescued from sin. It is the hope of being delivered from death. It is the hope of being brought out of darkness. It is the hope of being reconciled to God. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of eternal life, the hope of heaven, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'll end. I know you want to go and eat some more barbecue. If for some reason you've lost hope, maybe because your hope was in your health or because it was in your spouse, or in your finances, if for any reason you find yourself without much hope, I want you to know that the answer is Jesus. He is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's believing and knowing and accepting the truth. It's meditating on it, preaching it to yourself, reminding yourself of the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 John 3, 3, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus, the person of hope. Jesus in you is the place of hope. And glory is the promise of hope. As we prepare to eat from the Lord's table on both sides of the room, I would suggest that to do so is in fact an exercise of hope. That when we eat of the gluten-free bread, it's it's our hope that by the giving of himself, God has accepted the death of his body in our place. And so we eat with this unshakable hope. Our souls are nourished with an undisturbed rest because we know his life is now our life. And when we drink of the unfermented juice, it is our hope that by the shedding of his blood, all of our sins have been forgiven. And when we drink with this unshakable hope, our souls are nourished with an undisturbed rest because we know that his righteousness has become our righteousness. And this is a hope that can never be shaken. So I leave you with Romans 15, 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.